colleagues and cryptocurrency enthusiasts, welcome back to another episode of Brain Buzz. We are your hosts. I'm Kyle. And I'm Drake. And today we are joined by... We're, we're, we're here with Chris Rowell. <laughs> That's a great shot. Chris, how's it going, buddy? Pretty good. Uh, so Chris is a postdoc in business innovation and strategy. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, sure. th- th- it's, it's all new to us. So, <laughs> yeah. so Chris, Chris sure, has sure, like, yeah, been yeah, telling yeah. me what it was. I, I'm yeah. trying my best. We can, we can say uh, business strategy, innovation, and new technologies. Absolutely. There you go. So Chris, uh, you're going to have to be holding our hands a little bit today because this is new for us as psychology researchers. Yeah. Uh, but the work that you're doing is really fascinating. We've had a lot of conversations about it, and I think it's going to be really interesting talking about blockchain today, right? Mm-hmm. So give us a little introduction. Where are you from? What are you, uh, where are you studying right now? Where are you doing work? And what are we going to be learning today? Okay. Um, where am I from? Yeah. Uh, start, yeah. Start, start at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> back, right? uh, I'm actually from New Zealand. Um, moved to Australia when I was eight. So um, I, I tell everyone I'm Australian. It's just way easier. Um, did my degree in Finland. Uh, did my PhD there. And now I've been living here for a couple of years. I'm a postdoc at, uh, at Sorter School of Business at UBC. And I, um, I, I teach organizational behavior and I teach um, some strategy, uh, mostly in strategic management of blockchain now, like, uh, which is what I research. So I do research on blockchain technologies, um, other new kind of similar technologies and how they're going to transform organizations, how they're going to change markets and industries mm-hmm. um, and how they're going to change the way we interact and, and organize as individuals. Yeah. So for all the people that don't know anything about business uh, and have never heard the word blockchain, can you give us the most dumbed down <laughs> definition of what blockchain is, Chris? I can. Uh, pretty sure I can. So I've been doing this a bit. Um, so blockchain, I mean, it, it, the first example of a blockchain was Bitcoin. And I think everybody knows or has heard of Bitcoin. Um, it came out like 2008, went live 2009, and it was created by an anonymous person or probably a group of people. Um, so we just still don't know who they are. Uh, and they basically came up with a white paper that said, what if we could have this, this network that kind of runs itself? So it's a distributed network run by computers all around the world. Um, where we can store and, and send value to each other without going through banks and, and any other sort of intermediaries. So the idea with Bitcoin was basically let's have this. Um, it's it's a, a shared ledger. So it's um, imagine if everyone had access to the same Google Doc or the same Google spreadsheet, where it had like a bunch of columns where kind of recording what each of us hold, and then so we all see it. When someone updates it, we all see that it's been updated. If I send money to you, then the the money just shifts from my column to yours. So instead mm-hmm. of me actually sending you money physically, it's just like everybody's uh, copy of the ledger updates. Right. And then we can see that money shifted from, from mid or Bitcoin in this case, mm-hmm. whatever it is. So everybody sees the update, but then they put in rules so how, uh, for how it can be updated. So it's not like a normal spreadsheet where anyone can update it. Um, you have to, right. you have to you actually make prove. it shareable. <laughs> yeah, well, you, you, you have to actually hold that Bitcoin first. Right. And you have to, only you can send it out of your, what's called a wallet. So it's like your account. Right. Um, to anyone else's. So when you do that, you shift value to someone else. Um, then people around the world, they, they maintain, well, they're called miners, but they, they, they maintain the ledger, basically. They, their job is to update the, the ledger every 10 minutes. In the case of Bitcoin, it can be every, you know, every few seconds, depending on what, what blockchain you have. But in this right. case, it's 10 minutes. Um, so it gets updated every 10 minutes and takes a snapshot of what everyone has at that point, And those transactions in that 10 minutes get processed. So those people that do those updates, they get incentivized to actually like, um, kind of bother. <laughs> they're, they're incentivized by getting rewarded in Bitcoin. Right. So like, otherwise, why would you, why would you do this? Yeah. So all of a sudden, you have this network where everybody has access to an account that no one, only they can access. And then it gets updated periodically. And there's obviously, like I said, the incentives for people to update it. So you have this distributed network that runs itself that everyone can basically behave like a dick, um, <laughs> like super selfishly. Yeah. And the thing will still work because they're yeah. incentivized to make it work. Right. So bef- previously when we had these kind of distributed organizations, you could think of like Linux for, for software development or like Wikipedia, where we all you know, kind of collaborate and, and make uh, articles. So it's on encyclopedia. True, true or not. Yeah, true. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so, but but they, those organizations, are, they rely on kind of still a group of individuals at the center of them that have to be somehow trustworthy. You know, they have to be 
they have to be somehow altruistic. They they can't be total dicks, right. um, because you know the thing is running itself, right? They have to believe in the thing mm-hmm. um, and and maintain its you know uh, the organization. Yeah. So but somebody just uh, somebody could go ahead and write an article about you on Wikipedia. Yeah. Or sure. you could write an article about yourself on Wikipedia, mm-hmm. which could be completely and entirely factual. And then I could come along and just corrupt every piece of information on it. And yeah. Yeah. So there's uh, there's no incentive for me or for you or for anybody really to put into any effort into it beyond the altruistic aspect in wikipedia's case i guess so yeah so you have to be yeah because it's not it doesn't have a profit motive you're kind of right the incentive is to yeah is, is altruism and, and the belief that that thing should be there mm-hmm. um but if so you're wikipedia- like bit like currency the currency that's being propagated mm-hmm. isn't that also an incentive to make sure that that continues to be a legitimate way of like transferring funds and, and actually having that money like if you're getting currency within that 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 economic like the, the economy wouldn't you want that to be propagated as a good option then? Like for the people that are actually doing the mining? So, yeah. I mean, everybody has an incentive in the network that Bitcoin's worth a lot. Right? Yeah. Because yeah. everybody wins. Yeah. Because if, they, yeah. if they're not doing an effective job of actually like monitoring and keeping mm-hmm. up to date, then they're actually shooting themselves in the foot because they're only getting yeah. paid through, like, or getting monetary value through that. Exactly. Right. So if you, if you manage to somehow hack Bitcoin and, and send yourself all the Bitcoin in the world, um, it wouldn't work that well for you because then the price would drop to zero, right? Because no one's <laughs> yeah. using it. So, so there's an incentive like not to be a dick. Yeah. Um, so you want everybody wants it to be worth a lot, and the the miners, the the people, yeah, that are validating these transactions and updating the ledger, they they want it to work because they you know they get rewarded mm-hmm. um, in Bitcoin, so it's proportionate to, to obviously the, the value it is. It is. Yeah. Um, so yeah, now unlike things like Wikipedia, like I was saying, like they um where you still have to have kind of a central group of people that really believe in the thing yeah. and, and want to, beha- you know, they want it to run. So they'll kind of try to make people behave correctly and, and they use different types of incentives for that. Yeah. But Bitcoin, you can basically be this like completely, you know, rational economic like asshole mm-hmm. and the thing will work just by design because the <laughs> it's everybody in the network is incentivized to make it work as it, as, as it should. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the, the, the interesting thing about it is that it's like because it's distributed instead of, you know, if you wanted to hack the network, you would have to convince more than 50% of the people running you know, the Bitcoin network of your version of the truth. Right. So if you said, actually, I have like 50 Bitcoin, whereas you guys think I don't have any, um, you'd have to break into, you know, you have to ha- hack half the computers in the world to show that to, <laughs> to convince them that you're right. And then the, ne- the ledger will change like accordingly, but you'd have to do it within that 10 minute time period before it updates again. <laughs> uh, so it becomes, rub. yeah, <laughs> so it becomes really hard. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> yeah, so, that, so that's why it's secure. So then you have, um, so Bitcoin was the first example of something where you could d- have direct access to your account you could send it to send value to other people without relying on an intermediary mm-hmm. and without intermediaries really basically kind of exploiting those channels if, if they're necessary there you know like banks do if you send any money abroad or something they'll just yeah. charge you a shitload of money yeah speaking of that though chris can you name a couple of like intermediaries that would be examples that you're talking about like that we use on a day-to-day basis specifically in this uh, uh, oh, it, it, well bitcoin's there to, to address like people that handle money so anyone yeah. that yeah banks specifically yeah. um but yeah there's well, what happened after Bitcoin is that you can, um, like subsequent networks have emerged where you can start to program rules into transactions. So if we say, if we link um, a transaction to some kind of mapping software and, you know, I know where I am, there's like link to GPS, some, some app or something. And, and then you and I create a contract that says, if you take me from, you know, like kits to downtown or something in your car, and mm-hmm. we can see on the mapping software that's happened, um, and we agree on terms of that, then the um, what's called a smart contract will execute. So a smart contract is something that will just, if some conditions are fulfilled, then money will shift from my account to yours. So then if you have all these things in place, then you have Uber on a blockchain, right? right. But you don't have any Uber. That's just like you and I have set up an agreement. Um, some conditions have been met and then money shifts from my account to yours. Yeah. So now you can start to see these intermediaries, like we've seen these intermediaries crop up over the last 20 years, especially where we have um, 
lots of companies that are making money off the the um, actions of the people in the network. Mm-hmm. So Airbnb doesn't own any any property, but it's you know the biggest hotel chain essentially. Yeah. Um, then Uber, same kind of thing. Um, yeah. Then we have like Ticketmaster is another example. They basically link events to to consumers. But if you if the data you put on a blockchain, for example, was was tickets for an event and you were able to trade them, mm-hmm. then you don't need an intermediary to to send that around to to trade those tokens. Right. Yeah, um, it's a basic way of just basically having like everybody has their own currency and they can trade it at will without having to worry about anybody any parties a lot, like taking fees out of that. Or, exactly. Or setting yeah. it up for them. There's really there's no bottlenecks anymore. You don't have to go through a certain channel to be able to transact. You can do it across. You know, it's just a shared ledger updating who holds this yeah. piece of value at that point. Yeah. Um, so, so, so any sort of model, sorry. No, 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 go ahead. Um, so, so any sort of model that, that previously relied on, um, you know, facilitating transactions between parties and then taking a cut. Yeah. They are like really going to struggle if we, if we manage to scale these new solutions where you, you know, there's no, you, you can kind of circumvent any, any intermediary in that sense. Yeah. In the example of Uber, the idea with Uber is that each individual, uh, is in essence a contractor, right? So to use your example, they take you from Kitts Beach downtown. Right, and we can see. Okay, yes, that happened. We watched the map, and sure enough, you're gone from Kits to downtown. Mm-hmm. Uber then tells you how much you have to pay, or they take your money, take a cut of it, and then give it to the driver. But what you're saying is, we could just remove Uber altogether, have the contract between the driver and yourself, and the money could be transferred, or yeah. the funds and whatever capacity those look can on be transferred on a them. blockchain or on something like a blockchain where right. it's just a distributed ledger where yeah where it updates. Um, obviously, you need an, some kind of like organizational model there where you know who sets the rate how do you how do you fix that up like yeah but what i'm saying is that if if you if everybody has an account that's linked to a blockchain and the transaction can happen on the blockchain in essence it's no longer that like uber has your account uber has the the driver's account uber has the passenger's account and the only way to transact is through the uber platform Mm -hmm. now if you have your account linked to a blockchain there could be like a lot of different applications you know mobile apps that link to the same data just in the same way you can have lots of different exchanges that will trade bitcoin right Mm -hmm. um so there could be competition between apps that that say okay yeah we'll we'll provide this software you know you can download our app use this mobile app on your phone and it'll work like uber um we'll link to any account that's linked to this blockchain um so all of a sudden like people own their their kind of profile Mm -hmm. rather than being beholden to to the to uber or whoever it is and then um they can choose whichever app they want to use and inevitably they're going to choose the one that charges them the least so someone is eventually going to say hey here's uber on a blockchain and i'm only going to charge 10 percent for transactions instead of 20 and then someone else will say hey i'm going to charge five yeah and then someone that you know that was previously working at Wikipedia um, <laughs> that, that just wants to see this shit happen is yeah, going to yeah. be like, hey guys, this is free. Like, yeah. fuck you all. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. <laughs> so um, so hopefully yeah. there's a kind of a race to the bottom with these with these type models where um, if, you know, if one of these applications is super good, like if it, if it can do, you know, if it's really, really, um, the interface is really good and like everyone loves using it, then maybe they can justify charging a bit more. Right. Yeah. But it, it's, it's not going to be this model where we're all just kind of, you're sort of stuck on there and there's a big switching cost to take your data over to some other platform because you have to recreate everything and then, mm-hmm. you know, the network's not there and things like that. That makes sense in the, like from an economical standpoint, you'll take whatever is the cheapest option if there's a cheaper option. Yeah, presumably. And, and hopefully we're going to shift in like cultural values as well to say, let's, you know, let's go to the network that pays the driver the most. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Uber's still like I mean we talk about Uber it's not maybe not the best example because yeah. the car's gonna be driving themselves but <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point. but but we can say the same thing about Airbnb right like yeah. you want to yeah. you know yeah. people are providing like the the house um, it's a pretty predictable interaction so like if you just want to go stay at someone's house for a couple of days um, you only have to set a few rules up around that mm-hmm. and then you could basically set up like yeah have a kind of blockchain based solution that would just have you know set these conditions you stay there everything goes well. Um, then the money shifts and, and you have this kind of distributed model where no one really profits. Like there's no, there's no sort of 
central like actor property and it's just a it's just a transaction that happens pretty easily between the um the guest and the host yeah mm-hmm. um the challenge becomes obviously like what happens if someone has an orgy in your airbnb or you know like burns your house down <laughs> yeah um then yeah. there might be scope for you know a third party that comes in and provide or every might do it they'll, they'll say hey we'll provide insurance yeah. right or yeah. we'll um arbitrate if if you guys have a fight or something you know if you mm-hmm. can't figure something out then you can pay like upfront a little bit extra or you know like you can you know, have this optional service where you're either insured or we'll figure something out if um if things go really bad mm-hmm. but it's again optional it's not like i want to rent my place out on airbnb therefore i just have to just you know be, be okay with the you know the yeah, fact yeah, that you're going to have like 10% of whatever, whatever whatever I make from this yeah, yeah. so yeah. so again it's like no one's locked in and there might be lots of different third party providers that will say you know competing to provide insurance now yeah um, and competing to make those you know create that market where you can match um, uh, guests and hosts so, yeah so what was yeah what we, what we see it is like if you think of like these platforms today these kind of matchmakers today they sort of act as like um, plutocracies where they you know Facebook for example you're on Facebook all your friends are on Facebook it's really hard to like replicate all that stuff elsewhere and, and start a new network plus no one will be there yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah. there's no incentive for you to move anyway yeah um so they just keep collecting data and they keep like imagine their advantage over any other com- possible competitor um over time it's this rich get richer model because they just keep collecting data make the service better and then it's really difficult for anyone to replicate because they don't have that huge like um kind of chunk of history like this yeah. right. um, huge representation of your life that they've, they've accumulated to make the service like exactly what you want mm-hmm. so now all of a sudden if you if you own your social media data for example and um and you can go kind of you can take that across platforms and anyone can provide that interface that facebook does and you can kind of decide which provider you want then yeah it's, it's more meritocratic because you can just decide how you want to interact um it's interoperable so you can see your friends across different platforms there's no kind of unique like um, lock-in and then um the market changes as well because facebook owns our data it collects more data and then it sells advertisers basically access to us based on our preferences and stuff yeah but imagine if you owned your social media data and then you have advertisers contacting you and saying, hey, I'll buy like some of the content or some of your preferences or whatever if you, if you accept ads. Or I'll buy like, you know, the mapping data from like how you move around so I can, av- I can advertise cafes and stuff to you when you're, when you're driving. Yeah. Or like I'll buy your internet browsing history so I know what, <laughs> so I know what kind of stuff you like. And, and you can maybe decide like, yeah, you can buy some of my browsing history but not maybe all of it. Yeah. Um, or between certain hours, I don't know. Yeah. Um, whatever but, your preference. But, but yeah, you, you can actually like, uh, you're now, there's, there's a marketplace with it that um, includes individuals now rather than these giant behemoth companies that like this plutocratic model right. of, of them just, yeah. We could be rid of Cambridge Analytica because theoretically <laughs> yeah russian bots would just come straight to you and ask for your phone exactly yeah. they would okay. yeah. I, yeah so but it's interesting yeah so that, that's the kind of cool things i think that um that blockchain can do firstly it can allow you to transact without being exploited um you know there's no lower transaction fees so the intermediaries kind of there's less opportunity for them to to just extract value they'll have to create something that you want to do so you know yeah. that you'll be willing to pay for um otherwise you can have the possibility to circumvent them um and the other thing is the ability to own your own data so we um we talked we talked earlier a little bit about healthcare um uh, we had the yeah. podcast but yeah. it was like supposing you like currently it, it's the same kind of model obviously not a not strictly a platform model but if you go to a doctor or a dentist or something like that they have all this data on on your dental history or whatever it is um but then if you want to go to a different dentist you have to ask the first dentist or they have to ask you know can we can we transfer this over and it's often really difficult mm-hmm. but supposing you could have like um access which a blockchain could could provide um, where you could have like a wallet for your healthcare data. So then all of a sudden, all your healthcare records are on this kind of cryptographic wallet that you know, um, like linked to a blockchain that only you have permission to. So when you go see a new healthcare provider, you could just provide them access to whatever parts of your healthcare history you want. Um, and then they'll accumulate over time. Mm-hmm. So 
yeah so it's kind of it's it's pretty empowering yeah. <laughs> like it gives people so many more options yeah. um yeah it's uh it just like th th those are the two things i see like this individual data ownership and and kind of uh, the ability to transact and the way i see it i'm, I'm kind of picturing a time before the internet right mm -hmm. where the way that you talk about it, it seems Were you like born. Uh, <laughs> damn, I was close. I was three years. I think I was three years. <laughs> yeah, I'm imagining a time that I, I didn't actually exist. Mm. <laughs> Assuming there was a time before the internet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I'm one of those spoiled generations. Jeez. But but I did have dial-up. So dial-up was like at the stage mm -hmm. where I still didn't really know what the hell was going on. Yeah. But at the time where you basically all the information that you have on yourself is in hard form like a hard copy form mm -hmm. right uh now that everything is so digital and the way that the world works is so digital it seems like this is kind of trying to regain that kind of control of these are all my things uh and i have control over these instead of being like these companies now have all my information yeah. and i have to go through them to get it yeah you're right so actually now because we can verify <clears throat> who owns stuff we can have like um, a really kind of value like online value basically before we just had information so if i if i sent you a photo through email or a picture of something like we both have that picture mm -hmm. but but if i if i send you a picture that's linked to a, a token on a on a blockchain or something like that mm -hmm. um then it goes from my account to yours and then you have it right and because it's like it's directly linked to that we can say that you own it and i no longer own it that was why um we didn't have in money on the internet before because yeah. i could send you a picture of money or i could you know pretend that i sent you money <laughs> and we both have that money it's what they call the double spending problem um, and, that, and that's basically what bitcoin solved right yeah. um it's the issue of um like kiting is the traditional banking term okay which is i used to work in a bank but uh -huh. the idea would be you could open an account at one institution and then another institution mm. what you could do is you could go to the bank write a check from one account deposit it in the other account and then withdraw the funds <laughs> because it, yeah. there it takes there's a delay between mm. the verification of that check and the uh the allowing of you to withdraw those funds sometimes i mean banks can change that rule but that could be the idea is like okay well who who actually has the money and in this case nobody does yeah, <laughs> just yeah. Pretending and I if do. you spend it quickly enough then you probably yeah. get away with it yeah what does this look for the individual that wants to have any like value right it has all has how do we use blockchain yeah as an individual right yeah do I, are they numbers on a screen like for me thinking of it as like uh mm -hmm. people that were tr were really like okay we're scared of getting into like bank online banking yeah. or like here's banking where credit cards what about what about the use of because we've been talking about sort of healthcare data so let's say every year you've been going to get your health checkup and now you decide you need to put it online and in, in mm -hmm. the form of a blockchain so you've put all your previous records in this blockchain mm -hmm. but now you've gone to go get your next yearly checkup you would add that to the blockchain right so how would you add that information like how would you as what's the, it look like yeah, yeah how yeah, would you yeah. as a user make that so you would if you're really tech savvy you would be able to write stuff onto the blockchain yourself or you know do that set it up the way you need to obviously you know we can't do that um there's gonna be there's gonna <laughs> be nearly technically you know, sophisticated enough. but there's gonna be someone that builds an interface that links to a blockchain okay. and there's gonna be a lot of people that build interface that links to the blockchain so the idea is that like if your data is in a blockchain that's that um that anyone can use mm -hmm. say it's like bitcoin or ethereum or something um there'll be lots of providers that will you know build an interface that will allow you to access that and you know perhaps for, like change stuff or add to it or use it provide people permission to access it and things um but because the the blockchain itself think about it we, before we would have like um your healthcare data a company would help you and they would store your healthcare data for you mm. so then it's really difficult to get the data out of there and take it to a different company because you have to you know they have to do it for you um but if your data is on a blockchain and then the company's just helping you access it then you could easily go to a different company and say hey i want you now to help me access this data so it's like again it's about that meritocracy between right. between companies like no single
company has any advantage anymore. Mm. But yeah, it's only going to be like um, the super tech savvy people and the really kind of people with a lot of spare time on their hands that actually interact directly with the blockchain. It's not right. going to be us. They, right. can, they okay. can pull it up and they can pull this information up, yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But those companies or wherever interaction you want to make they have to be able to pull it up in some way and so they'll have yeah. those more tech savvy individuals it, exactly so, so the difference is now like um say google the data that google has on you obviously they're not sharing that with anyone else because that's their the core of their advantage same with all mm-hmm. these all these um tech companies and all these platforms so the difference is going to be like once you get to control that like then they have no unique advantage yeah um then they're not going to be able to have yeah, there's going to be kind of a lot greater competition between them um, they're going to have to create additional value for you mm. rather than just being the store of your data. Cause, uh, yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Rather than being able to target you with specific ads, they need to mm. find some way of like, yeah. actually yeah. leveraging yeah. them for yeah. access. Yeah. Well, they, they, can, they can still do that. If you, um, yeah. I mean, a lot of us don't care how our data is managed at the moment. Like, you know, it's, um, a lot of us will be still willing to say, Hey, even if I control all my data, if I control everything that I do and all the, you know, healthcare, like social media, whatever else, the data I produce, um, I could be saying, yeah, like Google has really good AI. Like they, they predict, you know, they use that data to predict what I want really well. Mm-hmm. So I'm willing to outsource my own thinking and provide Google access to everything I do still. Um, if they continue to make suggestions, you know, like uh, what movie should I go see or, you know, where should I go next or whatever. Yeah. Um, that, that might be a thing. That's fine. But at yeah. least we'll have the choice. It won't just be that <laughs> <laughs> they, they do it and, and we just accept it. So, so yeah. I think there's, there could be, that's the, that's the other thing we're kind of trying to study now. Like um, what might this transition look like? Because, if we don't care, you know, a few years ago, we didn't even know what data was and that, that companies were collecting on us. And then um, now we're starting to realize, oh, like data is a, is a thing and someone's profiting from this. Um, mostly because we've had these big scandals where there's data hacks and privacy breaches. And if you had an account with like Ashley Madison or something <laughs> yeah. like that, then you start to realize, yeah. oh, fuck, this has like a, this is an impact on my life if someone finds this stuff out. Yeah. Um, so now we're kind of starting to figure out that it's a thing and then like maybe in the future if we start to care then we'll start to like move to things like blockchain mm-hmm. but otherwise we're what we do now is we just give up our data in return for free services from you know like whether it's like a an email um right. some free mapping software some suggestions from amazon and and like um, cheap delivery yeah but like uh, so we might still do that in the future but like we'll have the choice <laughs> yeah you'll be able to make that decision yeah <laughs> so where do you see it going, I guess, is my uh, question. Well, that's the question. Yeah. Like, how do, that's, I mean, because I work for the business school, I have to tell companies how they're going <laughs> to strategize and how they're going to make money from this. Yes. Um, yes. So if you don't... Tell before, me first and yeah, just ignore them. Before, yeah. the, before the model was to own all the data and then sell other people access to it yeah. or then control the channels for transactions and then sell people access, you know, to, to right. like um, take, take transaction fees from when people interact. Um, it really depends. I think what we'll see is maybe some version of like a free software, like your healthcare provider will have... Um, software that they use like some kind of interface that links with the blockchain um and there might be different um like different softwares that or different interfaces that you know link to the same information um and then it's a then it's a matter of like what do those companies do like how do they i'm i'm still like not entirely sure right gonna make money because like they again like they you could build something where you say um we're gonna provide this interface that like links people's data on the blockchain you get control over your own data but you can only ever use our platform to do it. And you can only ever use our platform to access it. And then if you want to do anything with your data, because it's now you can create a market for it, like you can mm-hmm. sell part of your healthcare data to research or you can sell it to advertisers or you can donate it somewhere or you can do whatever else with it. Mm-hmm. Um, if someone says, yeah, like the only way for you to do that is through our platform. I don't know. I think like um, they'll probably be outcompeted by people that make it more interoperable and say, yeah, you can do whatever you want with it. Right. And we're yeah, going to provide these additional things on top that if you want them, then you can pay for them. Right. So it could be this kind of freemium model where it's like you get the basics for free. Yeah. And then if you want additional services, if you want like someone to analyze your data and help you out with some stuff, suggest things or um, I don't know. What, I don't know what it'll look like, but yeah, yeah. There, there'll, be, there'll be some additional value that comes from that. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Um, I could also talk about like, so the healthcare example seems like it's somehow idiosyncratic or that it's unique. But if you think about any way that we, any data that we produce um, that we previously didn't have a chance to own, um, that we might want to own, like it's uh, it's it's pretty pretty generalizable. So to give an example, I was actually teaching a, a total workshop uh, about this time last year for the Chinook Scholars Program, which is a, a program um, at the sort of School of Business that brings Indigenous students from all over Canada. And they wanted a workshop on blockchain. Um, I met one of the guys there and we talked about it and set it up. And uh, so we had a day long workshop of this is what blockchain is, this is what it can do, and this is how it can address you know different problems. This is how it might change the way we organize. And then we started, um, we got them to break into groups and talk about social problems that blockchain could possibly address. And one of the groups came up with, so the, the Truth and Reconciliation Commission that they set up in Canada, like, was it 10 years ago, mm-hmm. roughly, um, to collect the stories of residential school survivors. So this is people that were taken from their homes, forcibly removed as kids, um, that were then, yeah, they were put into these schools. Then this TRC, the, the commission, came in 2008 and said, let's collect their stories and find out what happened and then figure out, like, how we sort this out. Like, I mean, obviously, we need to kind of do something to, to make this at least, like, in some way... You know, um, to, to compensate for this or you know, how, how we address it. But yeah, so they did that. But then the problem was that they collected all these stories from survivors, you know, the ones that wanted to talk to them. And now they keep those stories in a central archive. So the government collected these stories and now they're storing that data in a, a central archive like, uh, that's, that's owned by the government. And now there's sort of a debate over what do we do with that data because like, here's an institution that they don't trust yeah, that yeah. has then take, that's taken from them, them from the homes now of kids. controls the stories. Yeah. Now collected their stories and is just sitting on them and holding them. And, and what do we do with this? Okay, so yeah. this group actually said, okay, what if we had um, a blockchain-based solution that you know your story would have permission to access to? It. So you would have your story linked to your account on the blockchain, whether it's stored there or stored elsewhere. But the only way through it is through your blockchain account. And then if you wanted to, you could provide other people access to see parts of your story or details of your story or all of it or none of it. Mm. So all of a sudden, you're giving ownership of the story back to the individual yeah. and letting them decide what happens with it. Right. Which is amazing because it's, it's, it's almost yeah. exactly like it's analogous yeah, um, it to, to the healthcare example, but yeah. it's just an example of like, how can we yeah, empower individuals and give, you know, the data they produce and, and their story, you know, um, back to them mm-hmm. and, and take it out of the hands of, especially an institution that, that they, they really don't necessarily trust. Yeah. And they'd have no yeah. reason to trust. Yeah. I think that's brilliant. Also, I can yeah. see tr- like also another similarity within, I mean, possibly science right the ability I, that was one of the first things that came to mind yeah was, the, the ability to make science available and open for every, everybody to have right. access as a scientist say obviously you go through the publishers to say this is like a reasonably like empirically yeah. <laughs> ran study yeah. you know and you need to do that regardless like it's not an option just to be like hey i ran a study here it is now it's like now it's a uh, scientific article mm-hmm. but being able to say okay I'll, i want to have this peer review thing done and having those intermediaries to do that, but also to have the ability to say, this is my research still, now it's past these like acceptable like guidelines. Well, think about, there's options with it, right? What, what about the implications of being able to take data that you've collected from a participant and add it to a blockchain so that at the end of all of it, it is there. It is there in some, yeah, first of all, it's their information, but secondly, it's verifiable. So somebody could go back, another researcher who might refute your findings mm. could go back and say, okay, well, I can actually go get the raw data and I can tell you exactly where you went wrong or why you went wrong. Yeah, there's, there's different ways to do that because obviously there's the right Anonymity. to be forgotten in studies. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. So, so yeah. if you put anonymous. something directly onto a blockchain, yeah. it's got to be there. Yeah, um, yeah. But you could provide, you could um, do what's called a, um, a hash. So this is kind of where we get into a little bit of cryptography, but like you can represent data, like a big stack of data in a hash, which is just this string of code that like if you change one thing in the big stack of data, then that hash will change. 
So it'd okay. be like, um, I guess you could think of it like a handprint. Mm-hmm. So like, um, if you remove, you know, part of your like one finger, then it's not like not in, well, yeah, not it's the same. Maybe a shitty analogy, but yeah, <laughs> you get a scratch or you something happens, you scratch yeah, yeah, and yeah, there's a different finger. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm anyways, trying. <laughs> I'll, I'll try and think of something better. But um, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, basically, you have this, <laughs> you have that hash. So you have like the stack of data somewhere, mm-hmm. and then if the hash matches what's on the blockchain, right. then you know that data hasn't been tampered with right side of it so you know it's never changed so that could okay. be a way to do it um and then they still have their right to be forgotten because nothing's like irrevocably recorded you could still yeah. destroy the original data set yeah absolutely um, yeah. but I, but i think you're right like it's a really good um it's a really good application like think of the like currently the intermediaries that exist in in the academy like we have publishers <laughs> and journals that like they they get people to do all this shit for free yeah, yeah. essentially they pay some of them a bit but you know um, a lot of it, like <laughs> huge amounts of voluntary work and um they make a shit ton out of like just yeah. publishing articles yeah. so if we could have you know a decentralized system where we had you know still accountability you still have like um, blind peer review and things and it was organized differently and then there's a better incentive structure so if someone uses you know your um your work then you get directly rewarded for it in some way whether it's you know reputational or monetary mm-hmm. or whatever yeah um that could be pretty much organized like it's uh it's it's this it's this new, like if um, perhaps an analogy could be like Spotify. You know, like currently, we get our, our music through Spotify or something like Spotify, one of these um, streaming platforms. And we so also get uh, access to Brainbo's podcast. Brainbo's podcast <laughs> yeah. on Spotify. Yeah, so yeah. I'll talk shit about them. And make you guys yeah. look really good. Yeah. Um, go. But but think about like so you put your your work there, yeah. and then other people access it, and Spotify charges. You know, like they, they make quite a bit of money, and then something drip feeds back to the artist. Maybe. I mean, it does. Yeah. On Spotify, it does. Not us. Um, yeah, not you guys. Okay. Well, <laughs> sorry to hear. We're doing this for <laughs> I know. Damn it. Yeah, but, uh, but you know what I mean, right? Yeah. Like, it, it's not, you know, there's, there's a lot of intermediaries. The process is really opaque. Like, it's not like, yeah. you know, there's a lot of people yeah. on, along the way if you're an artist before you get paid. Yeah. So, supposing you put your music on, on a blockchain, you organize that, and you said, if you want to listen to this music, you know, you set up a smart contract, the, mm-hmm. coming back to that, um, then it's going to cost you X amount, 10 cents or, you know, fractions of a cent or whatever, more than what you get on Spotify, let's say. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then, so that happens automatically. Someone listens to your song, money goes from your account to theirs automatically. Yep. Uh, or the other way around. Their account to yours. <laughs> yeah. So, so now, yeah, yeah. And then it can be even split between band members or whoever else helped produce it. Um, so you have this now network that's distributed, doesn't have a Spotify at the center of it. And it's just, you just pay based on your use. Um, but it's fractions of a cent. So everybody, the artists get more. You could yeah. sort it out so you get paid more. But then the listeners will get inevitably more. Because if we, if I listen to more than my quarter on Spotify, it'd be, or if everyone did, then, you know, they'd obviously charge more. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> so like... There are people paying not using the service. <laughs> yeah, I'm exactly. not one of those so, people. So, 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 yeah. <laughs> I definitely... So they're making it for us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank yeah. you to them. But yeah, so I suppose on average. Um, but that's the point, right? Now you have um, people directly empowered by having ownership of their thing and then being able to sell, like set the rate and then other people are just paying them automatically. Um, so that's kind of another illustration of how we can remove intermediaries pretty simply. Yeah. And it could be, it could work similarly in, in, um, in academia. It, yeah. Obviously you'd need some kind of organization around like how do things get sent out and who peer reviews and things like that. Mm-hmm. But you see these organizations today like um, Uber, Airbnb and Spotify and these kinds, of, um, these kinds of things, like they've been really good at showing us how to decentralize accountability mm-hmm. so like they take almost fucking no responsibility for what <laughs> what people do when they play like i mean they, yeah. they they're starting to because we're yeah. starting to like hold them to it but like at least at the start they were just like oh yeah we're just a technology company we don't yeah. we don't you know we don't police yeah. what yeah. uber drivers do if so if, if your uber driver tries to touch you up like it's not our problem it's just them yeah, yeah. so well like, twitter's having this twitter's yeah. having this issue right exactly yeah they all they all run through something like this so they have reputational systems they have you know like um if you if you you know like fall below a certain rating then you get kicked off or if you mm-hmm. kind of break the rules like enough times they'll kick you off um 
but pretty much that puts a lot like most if not like almost all the accountability onto the onto the users yeah so then supposing we move to a distributed network where there's no like there's no kind of dictator but there's there's rules mm-hmm. um we already have a pretty good model for that <laughs> so it's like these companies are kind of getting their users to generate all the content and then exploiting them for it but they're kind of driving themselves off a cliff in the sense that like they're showing us how to kind of <laughs> replace them by yeah. basically taking no responsibility when things go wrong yeah right so it's like uh yeah here's how you here's how you set up a network and then remove yourself from it except for the bit where you take all this money yeah yeah and now we have a technology where we can transact without them mm. so and organize without them you know if yeah, it's absolutely. simple enough yeah um so so yeah it's uh, it's gonna be interesting I, th- I think a lot of these people building these distributed networks are just looking at what what the existing companies are doing and taking like a lot like learning a lot from it yeah, yeah. certainly <laughs> what do you think the immediate and then what the near future has uh, for, for, an, for any individual, for an yeah. average individual yeah, when it comes to blockchain. It's, it's interesting to say, like, um, so I'll, I'll preface this by saying, yeah, obviously, like, what I'm talking about is, is you know, pretty far down the line, say, yeah. like, 10 years or so at least. Mm-hmm. Um, some things sooner, but, yeah, I'm, like, a lot of this stuff is going to take time. Um, not just for kind of organizational reasons or, like, cultural reasons. You know, we might not be super stoked to jump on a network where no one's kind of um, providing any sort of uh, assurances for us. <laughs> yeah. Um, but also technological reasons, like the stuff's not fully ready yet. Yeah. <laughs> um, but in the near term, like blockchains have been used currently for these more efficiency type things, like the supply chain stuff I mentioned, you know, like being able to trace stuff and then be certain that that's real. Yeah. Um, certifications, you know, like tracking diamonds, tracking property, transacting this stuff pretty cheaply. Um, so I would say in the near term, like if we're using blockchains as individuals, we're not going to know we're using it like if i send money to your bank there's every chance that our banks if they're different they have a shared blockchain a private blockchain between them mm-hmm. that just reconciles payments because it's just way cheaper for them to keep a single ledger that they share mm-hmm. and just move stuff around in columns rather than actually sending money between them yep. so that's already happening for mm-hmm. sure that's happening mm-hmm. um and yeah things like supply chains is just bringing efficiency to stuff we already do yeah um longer term is going to be the stuff that actually transforms the way we organize and transforms the way we interact and stuff like the, the things i was talking about um which i'm more interested in but yeah again we're gonna have to learn some new stuff there. We're gonna have to learn that, like, um, how do you use these kind of you know, wallets that link to blockchains? There's certain things about them that that you have to be careful about. Yeah, it's a completely new marketplace, right? Like, it's to an extent, but it's it's, it's just gonna replace the stuff we do today. So yeah. it's gonna be a little bit different. We're gonna have to get used to the idea of um, you know interacting where there's no central intermediary, we, as people have already done with bitcoins. Like, oh, I don't trust bitcoin because there's no you know there's no bank or there's no central government that's like um, assuring my transaction or making sure that that would have value or whatever. It's like. Yeah, but we can get over that. So we need to get over that a little bit. Yeah. Um, and I think that'll be quicker than we think. You know, like mm-hmm. we're talking 15 years ago, no one would get into a car with a stranger, but now we do it all the time. Yeah. No one would stay into a stranger's house. Yeah. We're mad no, when we don't yeah. do it. Not, yeah. not in Vancouver, we don't. Yeah. Not yet. Yeah, okay, yeah. We, yeah, not in Vancouver, we don't. But like, um, we have Airbnb here, so we stay in strangers' houses. But like, I mean, Drake, you weren't born, but you know, Early, early, early in the internet days, it was like, don't put your credit card online because that's yeah. that's just crazy. Yeah. And uh, yeah, now we that, pay with our phones. Yeah, it didn't take as long to, <laughs> yeah. to start doing that. Yeah. So um, I think that transition will be actually quicker than we than we realize yeah. in, in many ways. But again, like, um, so it's going to do those two things. It's going to change how companies, you know, the ability of companies just to extract value from us because hopefully that will diminish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they're going to provide better value to us. Um, and we're going to have individual <laughs> like ownership of our data, mm-hmm. hopefully in a lot of areas, um, which would be great. There's a few things that come along with that, but. Yeah, and then the rest of the time, if we're just sending money around, a lot of the stuff will just be built into the back end of what we already do. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the time we're using blockchain in the future, we won't know it again. Right. And we, and we won't have to know. Like in the same way, like 
I mean, how many people know how the internet works? We use it all the time, right? Like, who cares? We don't have to know. We don't know how the Google page actually shows up on our pages, yeah. Yeah. right? Like it just yeah. does. And we're yeah. just like, this is brilliant. Yeah. Just like when Guess the Wi-Fi stops care. working, you don't know what the hell to do with yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you just sit there banging your head just against the wall, resetting the, the so, router yeah, until it works. Yeah. Have you unplugged it and plugged it back in? <laughs> yeah. I, I completely see that sentiment. And I think that's that's kind of the brilliant part of it is like we, we won't have to worry about it yeah. more or less. It'll just kind of integrate itself yep. into the, the marketplace and into our lives. Yeah. And, and hopefully like, um, the big shifts will happen like culturally it will be like we, we won't rely on intermediaries for you know for trust we'll trust technology mm-hmm. whether we know it or not what the technology is actually doing and um, the other thing we'll have like um, digital ownership which we didn't have before yeah so like the ability to say yeah this is actually mine this digital thing mm-hmm. it's it's me it's, it's mine, mine. Yeah. and uh, it, it like I can show that it's mine yeah um, which we didn't have growing up like it was like yeah. if you put a if you put something on the internet it's fucking anybody's like, it's like <laughs> this is like yeah. the meme market too right like the ability yeah. to create a meme you could create a meme market easily with this because yeah. if you publish a meme yeah. it's the same thing with the Spotify example right if you yeah. it'd be that you could link it to like anyone that wants to use this can like take from this page but you you know you have to pay X amount when it happens and it would just happen automatically this could What's, solve sorry you this could so- literally solve who wrote the first joke, right? Yeah. Like whose yeah. joke is it? Yeah. And you, you can say, that? this is my joke. Yeah. And you, you have a timestamp, you have the blockchain. Yeah, timestamp that's irrefutable. You can't, <laughs> yeah. no one can, this is no the one first joke it. ever. Like this is the first time someone ever told this, that joke. There's one other application that I'll, I can touch on briefly. That's like, um, it probably won't happen because it probably doesn't need to. But think about like, if we had to charge, if we charge people for opening or for, for sending emails. So if I sent you an email and you open it, only if you open it, um, then... <laughs> When you open it, there's a smart contract that says, like, I just pay you fractions of a cent for opening my email. So right. thanks. You know? <laughs> um, but, like, why would we do this? So suppose I only send, you know, 30 or so emails a day. Like, who cares? Mm. Um, but spammers send shitloads of emails, right? Yeah. So if you're sending tens of thousands of emails a day, um, all of a sudden there's a massive disincentive right. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> to, to do that because you can charge a lot. Oh, man. So you can cure spam, like, really quickly by just linking it to, to a blockchain, like, account that's um that's kind of processing transactions in the background that yeah. most people would never know because it would just net like balance up to zero yeah but yeah it, it but we kind of millions uh, yeah. millions upon millions every like every yeah. year it, like it yeah. weeds out that shitty behavior every time you visit like a new online shop they're like sign up for our email and you'd be like Hi, i will yeah. and i'm gonna cost you <laughs> so <laughs> much money <laughs> 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 as well just given that shirt to me for free <laughs> yeah that's brilliant now we know a little bit more about blockchain and i think there's a little bit the op the yeah a little bit a lot we know a lot about blockchain i know now. i i know a lot more but i started from like zero Absolutely zero so yeah, zero to 100 pretty quickly so it worked worked out pretty well yeah um, all right yeah let's take a quick break we'll uh we'll be back with chris for some rapid fire questions uh and then in the back half we'll get into some myths misconceptions uh if you're enjoying so far uh leave us a review tap a few stars on whatever platform you're looking at and um in the interim uh, we're gonna go put this bad boy on blockchain Okay, welcome back. Uh, we're in the brain break. Drake, are you ready? <laughs> Rapid fire, let's go. <laughs> Chris, are you ready? <laughs> sure. All right, uh, I'll start with the first question. Uh, Chris, what color is your wallet? What um, kind of wallet do you have? What kind of wallet do I have? Yeah. Um, blockchain or? <laughs> <laughs> no, real tangible. I have, one of those, I have one of those skinny wallets. It's uh, maroon and black. Nice. Good choice. Uh, favorite type of currency? I know a lot of people have issues with the Canadian currency. They say it looks like Monopoly money. 
you're from a bunch of different areas. What's your favorite currency? You mean what it physically looks like? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fuck. I see your man. <laughs> <laughs> preference. I know a lot of Americans from this area always like complain about Canadian currency looking like Monopoly money. I I'm going to say EU. I like, yeah. the, <laughs> I like the different I, size. I, I like the euro. Yeah. yeah. The notes are somehow like, uh, yeah. Yeah, they're cool. They last longer. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, you've been all over the world for your travels and studying um apart from vancouver which we know is fantastic mm-hmm. what's your favorite spot you've uh, been able to get to whether it's for work or for a conference or oh my god great pleasure. question um I, I spent six months in india which was a good time um went to Kashmir, and that was just cool it was just special to be able to get there because we weren't supposed to go so um but i mean it's a kind of a conflict zone so yeah oh, okay yeah. <laughs> anyway like it was incredibly words. beautiful so <laughs> so maybe that off the top of my head yeah, cool absolutely um i'm supposed to have another question yeah i ask this question every time uh favorite mythological creature god damn it oh man Everybody's um, got a, everybody's got an answer. Yeah, no repeats so far. Either. <laughs> oh god, I don't have one. Like a centaur, maybe. Centaur. Yeah, yeah that's absolutely. Good. Yeah, that's a good one. We, we, were, we were just talking. We were just talking about you getting into football recently. Mm-hmm. Oh, what's yeah. your What's the favorite sport that you like to watch? Oh, it's got to be rugby. I mean, I was like, I was born in New Zealand, so you just kind of like forced into it. Yeah. And then I, I think it's really hard to like care about sports when you're an adult if you're just getting into it. So like <laughs> rugby, I just sort of never left me, and then I I pretend to care about everything else. And Chris, I got one more for you. Worst job you ever had? The worst job. Oh, I worked in a meat plant. Didn't like that. I was, I was saving up to go to the UK. It was like just after I finished school. And I worked four months in a meat plant, like packing meat into boxes. And it just sucked. Like it was, it was mostly because I had to start at like five in the morning and I hated oh, it. Gross. <laughs> what kind yeah. of meat? Uh, beef. beef. So the cows would come in like uh, yeah. basically looking like cows and they'd, they'd leave in boxes. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's such a, uh, just super quick tangent. I think that's a really, f- not funny, but I... I think it's a reality of the modern life is yeah. like I see a cow in the field and then I go home and I eat ground beef and I'm like these are two totally different things like, oh yeah like you never make that connection yeah I was, involved, in I was involved in that connection <laughs> yeah. yeah for yeah, four months Chris yeah. saw that through yeah, well, was, yeah. that could be a pretty disturbing was yeah yeah. <laughs> Anyways, awesome. Great. Fantastic rapid, rapid fire. fire was decent. <laughs> Great. Okay. Uh, enjoy the tunes. We'll be back. Sure. Um, yeah. Welcome back. I'm Chris Rowell. Uh, this is actually my episode. Also my podcast, apparently now. Um, Drake and Kyle are also here. We're done. <laughs> yeah. 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 Welcome, guys. <laughs> Thanks for having us on the show. Yeah. That's, that's all right. It's, it's been, been great. great. We'll see how yeah. it goes. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, this you might, might not make it there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Chris is just cutting it. He's like, yeah, not worth it. <laughs> uh, great. Awesome. So, Chris, there's so with the work that you're doing, it's, it's really related to, and I, for me, being an outside, outside of this completely, I've heard a lot about cryptocurrency. And so there was a big buzz about cryptocurrency the last few years. What the hell was going on with cryptocurrency? Yeah. What, what's so, the deal here? So this is actually great because as far as podcasts go and, and like interviews and that kind of stuff, like this is as far as we've probably ever got without talking about cryptocurrency, you know, <laughs> yeah. in, in, in depth <laughs> when we touch on blockchain. So um, I guess I talked about tokenization before and how we can, you can issue digital tokens that we can send around easily yeah. um, without intermediaries. And it's uh, um, really efficient. So cryptocurrencies is basically sort of any organization. Um, a lot of the times it's again, like a distributed network trying to just have a currency like Bitcoin that's universal, but it might also be a company like a business that's trying to start some kind of platform where they want a, their own coin. So like uh, um, there's some pretty weird examples like Podcoin, for example, was going to be the, the, the coin for uh, medicinal marijuana or perhaps just marijuana. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. But like, uh, so if you want to buy weed online, 
You can use pot coin. Don't know why. We need a specific coin. There was like Denta coin, so a coin for dentists. Again, I'm not sure why we needed a particular <laughs> coin for it. But all of a sudden, what we, what we saw like towards the end of 2017, second, half, halfway to 2017 towards the end, was just people like, because it's super easy to issue your own cryptocurrency, um, you would issue a coin. And then if your network gets used, then there's demand for your coin, right? So if your network becomes successful, everybody starts using Denta coin or whatever the hell it is. <laughs> um, that goes up in value. So lots of people buy it up front and then you use the money that they pay you um, you know, to, to buy the initial coins to build the platform. So it's basically a fundraising scheme right. to, to build something. That's what, a, what they call an initial coin offering, an ICO. Um, you would issue a bunch of coins that eventually are eventually going to have some utility, you know, some purpose on your platform. So suppose we could do it with Uber like we talked about before. Yeah. Where I create it. Um, Uber on a blockchain and then I have this Uber coin. So anytime you interact on the blockchain on, on this application, you'll be transacting in Uber coin. And then that Uber coin can be sold in secondary markets and, and has value based on you know, the popularity of the platform and how right. everybody feels about it. Um, so that was, that was kind of the essence of it. And so everybody was issuing their own tokens. And, and um, because I don't think, I think everybody kind of really got wrapped up in the idea of Bitcoin was sort of increasing a little bit then. Um, and everybody just saw anything that was kind of like cryptocurrency related as like, oh, this is cool, but yeah. didn't really know what they were buying. Yeah. So there was just this flood of interest and flood of money came in. Lots of people got really rich, lots and lots of scams, mm -hmm. like lots of people that did these ICOs, you know, these issued tokens and then just disappeared. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for that. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Because now I've made like what a few, you know, tens of millions or hundreds of millions, like just selling tokens. Um, I said I was going to build this platform, but now I can't be fucked, right? Yeah. So, no. so it's like, like a Kickstarter <laughs> with no, it's like Kickstarting yeah, no things. Consequences. No consequences. <laughs> yeah. and no real like yeah. outline here. And, and there's a reason why Kickstarter don't sell shares in the companies that are on there and they don't sell, like they don't issue something that you can um, then sell later on. Yeah. They issue something like a promise of yeah. like, when we'll give you part of our project or we'll give you, you know, like um, when we build this thing, we'll send you one or we'll give you a t-shirt or whatever it is. Yeah. Because there's laws around how you raise money. Mm-hmm. So if it's, a, if it's a distributed network like Bitcoin and you're just issuing tokens and people buy them, there's not really anyone to go after. Yeah. So that's kind of okay. Like it's regulators aren't really too worried about that because there's no central profit motive. But if you're a company and you say, hey, I'm going to make this um, this network, you know, like for dentists or whatever. Um, and <laughs> These dentists are doing well. I should have thought it was another reason. Was, yeah, <laughs> no. this, dentists are perfect. There's a, there's a bunch. There's a lot to do with porn actually. To be yeah, honest. I, would like, I was going to yeah, say like, the sex porn, industry because porn. the sex industry is something you don't want to use necessarily credit card for because you don't want everyone to know. Yeah, you want so to have can, a separate account. Yeah, there was there was a lot. There was like Spankcoin was one. Um, <laughs> Bunny Token was another one. Like, there's like lots of these kind of porn related or uh, you know like um, when any technology when any technology is like new and at the forefront sex <laughs> sex and porn yeah. is always yeah. there so holding its hand <laughs> introducing typically it to else. typically this is an interesting segue actually i don't know if we want to get into this now but maybe we can circle back to this but <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I love this conversation about how like sex drives a lot of innovation like virtual reality yeah. think about virtual reality virtual everybody's reality. thinking immediately it's, it's going to have some yeah. inclination even, in porn even like porn vhs i mean the internet yeah. <laughs> popularized by porn yeah. think about robots why do we have to make robots look yeah. so much like human women why, why do robots have to have a gender and why do they have to have so many human characteristics yeah i absolutely <laughs> agree with that it's 100 yeah. yeah. so so this is the thing so um but then yeah then the difference is if you're a, if you're a company well basically you're a kind of a profit or whether a company or some kind of profit oriented venture that wants to set up something and then profit from you know people paying people buying your tokens so there's something at the center and you're going to raise money for something you haven't built yet yeah. Um, the regulators kind of turned around, around like sort of, sort of late seven, uh, 2017 and said, hey, actually, we already have rules for raising money for companies. And um, often it's only if it's not a public company, you have to be an accredited investor to be able to hold these things. And an accredited investor in, in the US and Canada means that you have to have a certain amount of money um, and a certain kind of experience like that you're, you know, you're not going to be exploited yeah. and you have money to lose. Because otherwise it's like allowing anybody just, it's there just to, pro it's there money, to yeah. protect the investor. It's not there for, yeah. the, for the company. Yeah. So a lot of 
people started getting penalized for issuing these things and promising big returns on them and saying, yeah, we're going to build this and your token is going to increase by this much because all of that is really investor talk that's kind of, that's actually, um, they can enforce existing rules onto that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so what we saw is now a lot of people getting penalized for, for raising money in this way and promising these extravagant returns and all this kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, it, it became like a really big thing. Everybody got super on board with it. And then I think kind of Bitcoin dropped off a bit and then every cryptocurrency just sort of bombed because we realized it's sort of vaporware. Like these things aren't built yet. Yeah. A lot of them won't be built. You know, like more than 10% were just direct scams. Um, up to 50%, I think, like uh, some studies said that like they were... They, they either disappeared over the, over the following months or they disappeared straight away. So, um, so there's a lot of like exit kind of like 50%. Place. Yeah, yeah well, well, up to 50%. Up yeah. to 50%. There's some legitimate ones, God but there's um, there's a lot that... How yeah, do you know? Sort of, yeah. They just sort of took the money and disappeared. Yeah. So, so the, the fact was that it was just like this kind of legal gray area. No one really knew what they were doing. And a lot of people thought like, we can just like create a token. Yeah. and say that it's something and then say we're going to build something for it so that it has a purpose yeah. and uh, just based on the timing they made a shit ton of money um, some of them are still building them out some of them are like really legitimate projects uh, but a lot of them were kind of you know like Spank coin I don't know if how that's going but like definitely the bunny token <laughs> like they, some, some of these coins were like were just directly like bad ideas from the start yeah yeah. <laughs> and um, people just bought them because firstly they didn't understand blockchain technology um, they just thought anything crypto related was going to maybe go up Yeah. Um, and then they they didn't really understand the business model like how is this like is this really improving on what we have now or is this just a thing yeah. that someone says so a lot of it was like um yeah based on very savvy marketing rather than like actual kind of technological or, or business prowess yeah <laughs> that makes sense that's cool i've never actually asked the question about <laughs> cryptocurrency never looked into it i know a lot of people mm. talked about it it seems like just like everybody knows about cryptocurrency in some form mm. and not really what what actually went down and, and a lot of the i mean it's the, they're all quite tied together in the sense that like um, your way in would be to buy Bitcoin because yeah. there's a lot of infrastructure to allow us to buy Bitcoin now because it's been around for quite a while. So you would buy Bitcoin on an exchange and then you would use Bitcoin to buy or, or maybe Ether, which is the Ethereum currency, to buy these cryptocurrencies because that's the way in. You can't just buy like a random cryptocurrency with a credit card because you know there's, there isn't that infrastructure in place yet. Yeah. So then Bitcoin went up a lot just because there was a demand for all these other things because it was like yeah. the thing that you hold so that you can get other stuff. Right, so you, so have, to all, get in the you have to get the Bitcoin yeah. to get these yeah. bunny tokens yeah. or whatever so, it is. So it right? all created this kind of big coins. like upswing yeah. and everything and yeah because <laughs> they were basically paying people that were never gonna give them anything yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> first place. but there were there were so there was a, like i said there was two types there were people that just issued because you okay this is another thing and this is maybe a little <laughs> getting towards technical but like say there's like um so put, you have the bitcoin ledger which is the full history of every transaction that's ever had i've been on there and that's public so you can just um anyone can do that anyone can download it and anyone can support the network and, and, and interact with it um you could take that whole thing and copy it and then make your own version of Bitcoin. You could change a couple of the rules and it's what they call a fork. So it has the same history as Bitcoin, exactly the same past, but then you fork it, like whatever moment you fork it, it has a different future. So you can create a lot of new tokens have been created just by doing this, by taking like the history of something and then copying it and then creating like changing, tweaking a couple of things and then creating your own currency by that. So um, there was one that was a joke. It was um, Dogecoin. And yeah. you know, that's this Doge meme. Yeah, yeah someone yeah. created Dogecoin. It was just meant to be a joke. Like it was a fork from Bitcoin. They changed a few things. And now it's actually like it got picked up and it's still used. And it's like, no <laughs> it's just like some <laughs> example of like how, you know, the community picks something up and it's, uh, it yeah. becomes popular or whatever. But, that's, but it has value because somebody's putting yeah, value. Yeah, because people decide that it has value. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like all these things. <laughs> yeah. So so it's interesting. So, so it's even that easy to, to like just copy. And these things happen all the time. There's been like thousands and thousands of forks of Bitcoin. And only a few of them have been picked up because, you know, the network decides to support it. 
Um, but anyone could do it. Like we could do it right now. Like it's, yeah, it's, uh, it's, All right. it's pretty That's easy. That's what we're doing. <laughs> yeah. Forking Bitcoin. Yeah, Bitcoin. easy. Yeah, cool. <laughs> Brain buzz coin. Brain buzz coin. Yeah, easy. I'm so, sure so, that'll work out. And, and yeah, I guess the, the point is there's that. So you can create this distributed network of a universal currency, which is meant, you know, the Bitcoin type things. For everybody. Um, the Dogecoins. But then there's those um, platform specific currencies that are intended to raise money for a specific venture. And those are the ones that people took, like the regulators took issue yeah, with because yeah. you're essentially, you you know, you're not selling shares. It's not equity, yeah. but you're basically raising money for a venture. And yeah. there's a lot of rules around that. Yeah. <laughs> Something that doesn't exist yet, but yeah, if you yeah. invest you're... in it or you put money into it, it might happen, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's, yeah, the rules are there to impre- protect investors. So it's going to become mm-hmm. regarded as investors. A lot of Nigerian be... princes in that market. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing. There was, the history of Bitcoin is really interesting because that's, it's it's kind of what you're talking about like it got i mean it's testament to to how secure it is and how like the 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 use of it that it got used for the drug trade and that it Mm -hmm. got used for illegal payments and stuff like it's just imagine what the dark web did for for the drug trade like it's um it's made drug kind of drug markets and drug distribution much safer because all of a sudden we have like online so you're not interacting you're not like you know people aren't fighting in the streets um and then we have rating systems so the drugs are like it's much more transparent like yeah. you know the um the rating system so that they're of a higher quality like there's less risk and i'm not endorsing buying drugs online by the way it's just yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. um but but bitcoin's the same thing right the fact that it's used by people that inherently have no reason to trust each other and actually actively distrust each other yeah like especially in these kinds of markets that's where the reviews mean and, so much more yeah, yeah and that it works so well for that it's kind of like yeah it's a trial by fire kind of thing or yeah. like yeah. Uh, um, so if, if it's a bad product or if it's something that's not trustworthy, mm. it gets weeded out much yeah, quicker. Exactly. Whereas so it's, it's like you get a bad review on something and that makes your product now inferior. <laughs> you're never yeah. going to be able to sell it. Yeah. Right. So, so that's how these things get tested. And then they, yeah, we talk about things getting tested in, in, you know, porn and, and mm. drugs and, and these industries have really less to lose yeah. than, than more legitimate enterprise. Companies. They have, they have the marketplace that it does, they can t- make these True. gambles. They can take these gambles. <laughs> you mean people still going to People back. are still going to yeah. come back regardless of what they do, <laughs> yeah, right? Maybe, yeah. So maybe they don't have that like bad review. They're like, well, this was a really shitty. Yeah. <laughs> this is a really shitty video I watched, or this wasn't good. <laughs> mm. And and they have the leniency and the and the the demand, I yeah. guess, to kind of weather those <laughs> yeah. storms. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, but it's right. funny because yeah, they ironed out a lot of problems that other people would have had if they if they'd used it. Exactly, yeah. I think it's it's so. a really interesting point because it is mm. funny that uh, sex does drive a lot of business and oh, like, yeah. r- like just growth <laughs> in general, which is yeah. very odd uh, <laughs> when you think when you think about it that way. Yeah. yeah, Chris, thank you for coming on the show. We've had an absolute blast. Uh, we hope that you've enjoyed too. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. We'll uh, we'll certainly look to have you back on, uh, certainly for a roundtable or two. Anyways, so uh, we uh, we hope that you've enjoyed listening to the show, uh, following along with us, learning a little bit about uh, blockchain technologies um, and how maybe we'll see it used a little bit more uh, frequently in the future. Or we won't see it. Or we won't. It'll just be there. <laughs> It'll just be there. And that's important too. Yeah. Uh, if you've enjoyed, uh, please do leave a like or two, say a few nice words about us. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. Uh, so leave us a review there. You can grab more information about this episode on brainbuzzpodcast.com where we've got links to anything that we might have talked about or other interesting articles that we've come across, um, as well as a, pro- a little profile on Chris. Um, as well, you can find previous episodes and all the related content there as well. Anyways, uh, that's it for tonight. Thanks for listening. Cheers. Cheers. Hi, everyone. This is Post Editing Drake. Uh, We had a really good time talking with Chris, and we hope you enjoyed the episode. Uh, We had a couple out 
takes that we wanted to kind of add on but didn't know where to put them so here they are i honestly i think as long as you're around here you're, you're fine yeah we yeah. we're pretty anal retentive about it but it's not necessary so we have, um, <laughs> you guys are gonna find this out later on like how, how bad it is yeah. <laughs> it's not bad it's, I mean, it's, it'll be all right my hairdresser was telling me i'm the worst person to cut hair because um like we're chatting and i try and look at her yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. she's like fucking stop moving <laughs> there's a big ass mirror that you can use chris yeah. use the mirror dog. Like, i know you've been polite but it's fucking annoying yeah it's really the worst <laughs> The only other thing, and this is kind of uh, where you can go with this, like, this is even perhaps more future, but, like, if you link, you can give things a blockchain account, so, you know, how we're getting, like, the internet of things, and so your car is online, and you could have, like, um, your car driving itself around when you're at work, picking people up and dropping them off, <laughs> with, with transactions that are processed on a, on a ledger, like, uh, you know, automatic oh, hell yes. like, yeah, and then you have, um, your car needs to charge itself, because it's electric, yeah. and it broadcasts the network, like, I need to charge, and so charging stations, like, pitch up. Like, hey, here's what we charge, you know, today. Well, here's the rate. So it figures out a kind of on its own like best a rate, rate with, yeah, whatever, whatever's nearby. Yeah. Goes to that um, charging station, like charges up, you know, inductively or whatever, however it plugs itself in. <laughs> um, and then whatever energy it uses, it transacts automatically using a blockchain, like through the smart contract. So then all of a sudden you have this machine to machine economy where your car and your charging station are just like there sitting, like yeah. making its own decisions and uh, based on what have you programmed it to do and then earning money Chris I've seen this before <laughs> and it's, it was in the movie Terminator yeah. and Terminator 2 yeah I love that stuff I think, yeah. I think what we I think what those movies kind of um, perhaps were a little bit misguided with is they kind of mistook like intelligence for like consciousness <laughs> yes. so it's like oh, uh, yeah. this yeah machines and they have to think on their own they have like <laughs> shit they want to do like <laughs> you know they have like these weird human you know like inclinations yeah. and stuff like yeah. I, I, I don't know i think we're just like yeah good. like intelligence in the sense of ai and machine learning is like the ability to predict yeah so it's like yeah. to look at a shit ton of data and say from this you probably want this yeah <laughs> which is like the easy example is like the search engine yeah so because you typed in this here's some stuff you probably want to see yeah yeah, yeah. um so it's just the ability to predict and the more data you throw in because it reasons probabilistically mm -hmm. whereas humans we reason like through what deduction it's like yeah. oh it's got these characteristics so it might be this yeah but yeah it reasons like you need to feed it a ton of data and then it will predict the next thing mm -hmm. okay it's probably this um so yeah. that's what intelligence is in a sense and it's not yeah <laughs> it's not consciousness we're, we're, it's we're, not pretty, we're pretty far away from yeah from, from a, even a general intelligence that could do that like on lots of different dimensions yeah um, now's the time yeah. to go back to listen to that episode with patrick laflam yeah it reminds me of that a lot and i think mm. it's like that's also the way that you explain it also kind of like is it's it's why the machine like people play machines in games now because mm. they're so good at predicting right they, they do the optimal prediction when you mm. have like playing against uh, like the grandmaster chess players playing against computers because computers can predict moves based on your patterns and yeah. i think it's beautiful and it's like it's not it's not gonna confirm skynet like skynet like the robots <laughs> yeah. aren't gonna rise up yeah. against us and kill us like that's not what's gonna happen but i think that the amount of like reliance on technology in the future and going forward is mm. really like it's cool to see yeah the the big challenge i mean what they say about i think and now like i'm not an expert on this by any means mm. but like um so it's not gonna be like a skynet thing where the machines like you know decide that we're we're shitty and they want to kill us we're obsolete but it, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's more that like if you program something to be really good at something like say i want to make a, i want to make a machine that's really good at predicting you know x or whatever oh. and you say do whatever you can you know like if you if you okay score the highest points in this game because that's what a lot of the game-based ones or win yeah. this game of chess or whatever yeah so you program it to be to do that and do whatever you can to to be able to do that so like what you see in those kind of game simulations is machines starting to find like 
um, you know, faults in the code or something, and then just like exploiting things so that they, you know, they they get stuck between levels or they do something weird like that just breaks the game, and then they get a shit ton of points. Like it's just something that's some kind of they'll find that right because they've yeah. tried everything. Yeah. So it's just running a ton of simulations and see what happens, and then learning. Um, but yeah, hold on, where was I going with this? Um, ah, yeah, the problem will be when you don't code rules about the process in there. So you say do whatever you can to achieve this end. And then the machine decides, okay, actually, like, you know, I'd be able to do this way quicker if I, um, if I could use more energy or I could <laughs> devote more computing power to this. Right. So there's a parallel system that, you know, I'm connected to through the internet or, or something um, where I could just take over that and then devote it to what I'm doing. Yeah. Again, like, I'm talking like the thing's a thing, but it's not yeah. like, it's not, it's not <laughs> yeah. thinking this. It's yeah. not going through this thought process yeah. like, <laughs> like a person. But yeah, it, it wants to do something. So it just takes over the computing power and then it takes over the grid to get energy for it. Yeah. And then it starts to take over like whatever the fuck else it can. So yeah. it's like, we can't we can program like the ends in but we need to be really careful about how we program the process like the conditions of the process yeah 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 because <laughs> yeah. it's gonna be it's gonna be about externalities it's gonna be yeah. about like what didn't we think of that this thing's gonna go and do yeah, yeah. that we haven't specified it can't do that it's gonna have some horrible side effects yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah i think it's brilliant I, I think it's uh don't connect everything to the internet yeah, yeah. Like, well that's... that could be an answer yeah <laughs> if you can yeah well i, I think about that um uh, like uh, there was that big hack in uh, the UK of the NHS, the mm -hmm. National Health Service, and it's like, yeah, okay, obviously we need it's 2019 now. We need computers to be connected to the internet for mm -hmm. one reason or another, mm -hmm. but we also have these problems where <laughs> you know everything's connected, yeah. and so and so in many ways it sounds like blockchain can help kind of prevent some of those issues. In that in in that in this case they that hacker I think blocked access to patient records. It's like, well, if we had a separate technology that used blockchain where the individual was responsible yeah. for giving us and us alone access. Yeah, definitely. It'd, it'd, it'd be much more difficult. Um so it's blockchain in, in the sense that it's like granulated like um mm -hmm. storage of that data. That could solve the problem. But the reason these things are connected to the internet and the reason you want to have like big data sets that talk to each other is because that's how AI works, right? That's yeah. how it learns. Yeah. You have to just feed it all that data <laughs> so that it can so that it can learn. Yeah. Because otherwise, um, if you just say, yeah, we're gonna have everyone's data like completely separate, um, then you're not gonna be able to train anything to because it's not gonna have enough examples to be able to make decisions. Um so yeah, it's it's kind of that trade-off now. Like yeah. how do we <laughs> yeah. how yeah. do how do we help them learn um and still give people like uh well people have you know, just yeah. be able to decide. Mm -hmm. Yeah.